Listen, you know we've got Compassion International with us in the house, um, and we are in the middle of a series called Stones. We kicked this off last week, and so I'm going to try to tie all this stuff together. It's going to be perfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be the best sermon you've ever heard today. Right? It's going to be so good. Last week, you know, we, we kicked the series off called Stones, and, and it's, it's comes from this um, question that God asked of Moses. So in Exodus chapter 3, God shows up in a burning bush, and he says to Moses, hey, I got an idea. I want to use you to do something amazing, something really big. And Moses did what most of us would do. We looked at God and said, you are crazy. Do you even know me, right? Like he starts giving him all these excuses, all the reasons why he can't pull off what God's calling him to do. And so in Exodus chapter 4, Verse 2, and I love this about God. At some point, God just gets tired of our talking, and he just says, hey, I want to ask you a really simple question that doesn't have a simple answer, and it's this. What's in your hand? And we talked last week about the stones that we hold and how over the next four weeks, we're going to learn what the Bible says we can do with the stones that we hold in our hands. Now, last week, we talked about the woman caught in adultery. It's in John chapter 8. Just a really quick recap. What do we learn is the best thing we can do in a divided world with the stones that are in our hand? We can what? Drop them, right? We just dropped them. And last week, y'all all came up at the end of service, and you dropped rocks into this big wheelbarrow, and it was awesome. It was fantastic. Because what we learned is we need to be forgiven, don't we? Or at least the person next to you needs to be forgiven, right? And so when we've been forgiven, guess what we tend to want to do? Forgive. Because forgiven people forgive. And I made this statement last week about that woman. You know when she was on the dirt, knowing that they're going to throw stones at her and try to punish her for her sin, when she heard the sound of forgiveness, which was stones hitting the dirt, and she stood up, we don't know for sure, but I'm pretty positive that she never stoned anybody after that day. Because when you've received the mercy and the forgiveness of God, you tend to want to pass that along. So in a, in a divided world, and y'all know it's divided, right? You've been on Facebook? Yeah. People throwing stones like crazy, right? It's a rock concert. So in that divided world, the best thing we can do is drop them. Now, this morning, we're going to take a look at something else, another passage of Scripture in Joshua chapter 4. You can go ahead and start scrolling to it or tapping to it or turning to it, however you choose to get to it in the Bible. And we're going to see another example of stones being held and something else that we can do with them. And what you're going to find out today is that in a hurting world, the best thing we can do with the stones that we hold is to use them, okay? So Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, we're going to read this, and when I'm done doing all this talking, and you've heard all this stuff this morning, you're going to walk out of here going, huh, last week I learned that forgiven people forgive, and today you're going to learn that blessed people bless. Now, we're in the South, and raise your hand if you're proud to be from the South. Come on, boil peanuts the whole deal, right? No, y'all don't like boiled peanuts. Y'all still like the people that put peanuts in the Coke? That's good too, but it's weird. I don't like boiled peanuts because they're wet, but I like to make my peanuts float in Coke. That's so weird. Whatever. In the South, if I look at you and say, bless your heart, that's Southern talk for you're an idiot, right? So this morning when I say that we're going to learn that we're blessed, I don't mean it like that. Like, bless, bless your heart, right? What I mean is we're actually blessed. We're going to see that today in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We're going to read it. Here we go. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, 
Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. Now, I'm not as buff as these dudes, so I've got a smaller stone, right? But, like, they picked up these big stones from the middle of the Jordan, and they put them on their shoulder, and they carried them to the other side. And he said, I want you to put them there to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Y'all got kids like that? What's it mean, Mom? Right? When they ask you, what's it mean? Some of your kids were like, what's it mean? You get it. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones, these stones that we're going to talk about today, are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, last week, again, we talked about dropping the stones, right? We want to drop the stones. We don't want to throw them at people. We don't want to stone people. We don't want to condemn people. So last week I told you to drop them, but this morning I'm going to tell, the, I'm going to tell you to use them, right? It's a different way that we do, different things that we do with the stones that are in our hands. I want you to see two ways that we can use these stones. Now in this story in Joshua, these stones represent the deliverance of God, yes, because they had to get to the other side. They couldn't get through the river, and so God made a way. They walked through, and it was a sign that God had come through for them. I want you to think of it like this. The stones that we hold in our hands represent the blessing of God. They represent the faithfulness of God. So you know, you know every time they saw that memorial, they were like, man, I'm so glad God came through for me, Right? So one of the things that we can do with the stones in our hands is we can use them to make a pile to remember. They actually piled up 12 stones. And I, they didn't, you know, if you were here when I did the series where I had power tools and I almost took off like fingers because of it, they were like, you're not stacking stones, right? But if we could pile up 12 stones, it would be about this high. And every time we saw it, we would think about what, what do those stand for? And they stood for the faithfulness of God. We see that. And I want you to know this morning that you're blessed. In case the person next to you has forgotten it, tell them right now, you're blessed. Here's some of the ways that you and I are blessed. Because when we talk about holding stones in our hands, it's easy to compare, to look around the room and go, well, I know that you said I'm blessed, but pastor, I'm not sure I'm as blessed as that person. I think that person's way more blessed than me. And what I want you to know is that today, just the fact that you're sitting here in a comfortable place with air condition running, listening to the sound of my voice, or you're logged in at home on a device that allows you to do that, means that you're blessed compared to the rest of the world. Some stats just to help you see that. If you have a net worth of just over $71,000, you are in the world's wealthiest 10%. Now, some of you heard me say that, and you were like, wait, net what? <laughs> like, I think I have a negative net worth. Maybe you don't qualify to the 71000 or higher. But did you know that if you have a net worth of $2,200, what does net worth mean? It means you've got money in the bank, you've got a car that's own, that you own, maybe you have a house that you own, all the things that you own. If you could add all of that up and it would equal, after you take away all the things that you owe, at least $2,200. If you have that much to your name, you're wealthier than half the world. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm rich. <laughs> 
I know you don't feel rich. I'm telling you that you are, but you're like, dude, you have not seen my bills, right? You do not know if I'm rich or not. I heard this stat, and it's just, I'm curious to see how you respond to this. 1% of the world has the same amount of wealth as the other 99%. I'm going to say that again. 1% of the world has the same amount of wealth as the other 99%. And I don't know how, you makes, how that makes you feel. Maybe you've heard, like, people talk about that 1%. But it kind of makes me, can a pastor say, like, ticked off? I feel like those mean, rich people, they should take some of that money and give it to the 99%. They should make it seem more fair. And it's so easy for me to, like, look at videos about billionaires and get so mad at them. But then I found this next stat, which blew my mind. Did you know that if you have a salary of $50,000 or more a year, you're in the 1% of the world. So we can't point to the other bad people and tell them to do something with their money. We're the ones that are in that 1%. A third of the world lives on less than $2 a day. 1.2 billion in the world live on $1 and a quarter or less a day. And my guess is that all of us spend that much on coffee a day. Or hot tea. I know that's big too, but I don't understand it. <laughs> One last stat just to bring this closer to home. I went to the City Data website, and you go to the City Data website, you can type in Albemarle, you can type in Stanley County, and here's what I learned. The average household in our county, everybody say our county. We're not talking about the rich places, just our county. The average household in our county making the median salary of $48,000 a year, that family is in the top 5% of the richest in the world. Y'all, we're blessed. We hold blessings in our hands. And so when, when, when they got those 12 stones and they piled them up, we can pile up the things in our lives too. We can pile up salary. We can pile up vehicles. We can, can we pile up TVs or what? We can pile up all kinds of stuff and see this huge pile, and we can remember that we've been blessed. And I would submit this that we do a pretty decent job of doing that. Sometimes we do that too well. Sometimes we do what I would call the memorial trap, which is we pile up all these stones and we start talking about all the ways that we're blessed. Oh, y'all, remember the good old days when God came through for us? Oh, weren't those great? And now we got these young whippersnappers walking around. They don't know squat. We, start just, we just remember how God's blessed us. And somehow we fall into this trap of thinking that's all there is. Like, let's just talk about all the ways that God blesses. Let's check my bank account and see what the balance is. Oh, God, you've blessed me if it's the beginning of the month. End of the month, different story, right? But I want you to know this. Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3 says we're called to so much more than that. We're not just supposed to pile up stones to remember. God said to Abraham, if you'll follow me, I will bless you. You will be blessed more than any nation on the planet. But not just so you can look at all your blessings and say how great God is to you, but so that through you, all the nations will be blessed. Blessed people bless. They pour out what God has given them onto other people. So just as we transition, Joshua chapter 4, did you notice where it said, in the future when your kids ask, tell them why you put those stones there. And when you tell them, it's because you cross over the river it's easy for us to think, well, it was just for me and for my family. But the last verse of chapter 4 says this. It says, he, God, did this 
So that. Everybody say, so that. You know, what that, you know why that's there? So that you'll know why it's there, right? That's a purpose statement. So he says, tell them that I did it. I, I made a way for you to cross through the Jordan so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Listen, it's not enough just to admire all the blessings that God has given us, to hold these stones and go, thank you, Jesus, for my cars. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my, those are great things. But we just pile them up and remember his goodness. But we're also supposed to use these stones to make a path that reaches the world. Tell your kids that I did this so that how many of the people? All the people could know my goodness. All the people could know my power. All the people could learn how to follow me and worship me and fear me. Can I, let me give you a big idea. Here it is today. Our blessings can pave the way for future generations. Literally, we're going to take the blessings that God has given us and we're going to put them down and we're going to make a path to reach the rest of the world because our blessings can pave the way for future generations. Now listen, I don't want you to take my word for it because We've got somebody here who can, this is his testimony, y'all. This is exactly what he saw God do in his life. Because at some point in the past, there was somebody speaking. And somebody said, man, I'm going to jump on board with compassion. I'm going I'm to partner with what they're doing. And I'm going I'm to sponsor a child. And, in, and his life will be changed. And it's one thing if I have to tell you that. It's a whole other thing when Gerald, who's over here from the Dominican Republic, is going to come on this platform and tell you what God did in his life. Because there was a group of people that said, I'm not content to just pile up blessings. I'm going to use my blessings. I'm going to make a path for Gerald. And because they did, he's here with us this morning. Y'all know how we welcome people to the gathering, right? Not quietly at all. Come on, give them a huge gathering. Welcome. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, church, for having me here. Thank you, Scott, for allowing me to, to be here. And the first thing that I want to say is God bless the worship team of the church. Amen? Awesome. Um, how many of you knows that the church is more powerful than poverty? So I want that you remember this in your mind. The church, that means you, you are more powerful than poverty. So, as the pastor say, I am a former sponsored child of Compassion International. I was one of one child that, that was in a package like this. Um, when I was uh, four years old, my father left the house, and my mother had to raise my brother and me all by herself. And from that age, I never knew what it was like to have a father. So everything changed in my life because I had to deal with extreme poverty, with no money to eat, no money to dress, and no money to have an education. Unfortunately, I grew up in a lousy neighborhood in Santo Domingo, where drugs, illegal weapons, crime, and poverty were my daily bread. So, not having a father 
in my life, it was hard. But it is hardest when you don't mean anything to your father. And that was my case. My father, he was a police officer, and he never called me to say happy birthday. He never called me to stop by my house and say something special for me. And I remember one day that was a raining day. I called my father, and he asked me to pass by one of the police stations. And he told me, hey, come here. I was supposed to go to my school. That day was 7, like 6.45 a.m. But he, he asked me to pass by the police station to get some money to buy food. But what happens was that when I got to the police station, my father wasn't there. And I was waiting for him like nine hours, and he never showed up. So I don't know if you can imagine a child between 11 to 12 years old waiting for his father in a police station just to get some money to buy food. That was my case. That was me. One of my dad's co-workers decided to call my father. And when he passed me the phone, I told to my father, hey, dad, you know what? I am here from 7 a.m. It is 5 p.m. I hadn't had breakfast. I hadn't had eaten. And my father told me, you know what, Gerald? Go to your home because I hadn't had eaten anything either. So that day, I just have to come back to my house. I felt like it didn't make sense to leave because my father, that was supposed to give me some money to buy food, just decided not to show or, you know, to appear in my life at that moment. It is important that you can understand as a church that as a result of that, my father, and I, I will say not my father, because if I say my father, I, you know, but... I knew that my father was living three years later. He was living just at 10 minutes from my house. Just imagine, I was in a police station, but my father lives at 10 minutes from my house. During almost 15 years, and he never stopped by. Because he never wanted to take care of me. So as a result of that, I had to sell juice and empanada on the street. I didn't have a bed to sleep on. Unfortunately, I had to ask my neighbors for cans of soda and exchange them to buy 
uh, bread and milk just to eat the only meal of the day. And I had to go to my school every day, walking sometimes with my broken shoes. And everything because my father was never there to support my family. So my mother, she was very desperate with that kind of situation that we were living. And she was working in a Christian school that used to work with Compassion International. They had a Compassion program. And you know what happened? She decided to apply for the program, and they accept me. And from that time, everything started to change in my life. Just because a man from a church decided to say, I want to sponsor Gerald Lorenzo from the Dominican Republic. What happened in my life was that we found a place, and when I say we found, it was because it wasn't just me. It was my brother and I. We found a place that provides food, that provides uniform, that provides transportation for us. But something more special, we found Jesus Christ in our life. My mother, my brother, and I accepted Jesus Christ through Compassion International. And now what is happening is that my mother... She is a co-pastor in a church in the Dominican Republic. And my brother, he is working as an external host for Compassion International in the Dominican Republic. So my family and I, we are a great example that a whole family can be changed just sponsoring a child. And this is what I want to let you know to you today. My first bed was gifted by, by compassion when I was like between 11 and 12 years old. And that was the first time that my brother and I were able to sleep on a bed. To have Jesus in my life changed everything until today. My sponsor, Brian Bilson, let me talk to you a little bit about him. I never met my sponsor. I just know that he is from London, United Kingdom. I just know that he was a teacher at the time that he decided to sponsor me. But compassion has a way to communicate with the children that is letters. And my sponsor, he was always, every year, sending letters to me, telling me what important to God and I. And let me tell you something. When my father never called me to say happy birthday, when my father never called me to say something important, I was always receiving a letter every year from my sponsor and his family telling me, you know what, Gerald, we are here. 
thinking in you. We want to wish you the best of the birthday. For Christmas, we want to wish you the best of the Christmas. We just want to let you know that you are important for us. Blessed people, bless. So what is happening now is that my life is not a roller coaster anymore. So I am married to a beautiful woman from the Dominican Republic. She's here, but she's in the other, in the other side with my baby. And you know what? I always, always love to say that since that one day a man decided to raise his hand and sponsor Gerald Lorenzo from the Dominican Republic and show me Jesus Christ through the church, now I'm not going to repeat the same story as my father. Just because one person in London, United Kingdom, decided to say, you know what, I'm not going to pay this dinner, I'm going to take this money, and I'm going to sponsor Gerald Lorenzo. And that action impacted my life until today. Thanks to Jesus Christ, thanks to Compassion International, I have a bachelor's degree in business management. Thank you to my sponsor. I have a certification in Christian leadership from the leadership development program of Compassion International. I have a certification in public policy process. I am helping here in the United States because we are living here now. I am helping, my wife and I, we are helping a lot of people with a credit restoration service here. But in the DR, we are helping a lot of people with the immigration service. Let me tell you something. And I told you before, when Jesus come into your life, Jesus changed everything. Forgiven people forgive. And that was what happened with me. Three years ago, my father passed away. But before he passed away, I was in his house. And the picture that you are going to see now is the only picture that I have with my father. I don't have more. This is the only one. And God allowed me to go to my father's house and forgive him. Because, as the pastor mentioned, forgiven people forgive. This is not about compassion. This is not about the money. This is about the Jesus Christ in the life of the children. And the impact that is going to be this sponsorship in this life. So at the end, I can conclude with something, and I know that 
you will agree with me. And is that when you sponsor a child, you are not only, listen, you are not only sponsoring a child. You are changing a life, right? But you are changing a family like my family. But you are changing an entire generation as my wife and my baby now. When you decided to sponsor a child, you are doing something that is going to impact generations over generations. Amen? So, how much, and that's the question, Gerald, how can I sponsor a child? So, you are going to see a package in the back part, as my brother Scott say, one piece, three sessions. That part is going to be your, the second one too. Here you will find a little bit of story about the, about the children. This form, you have to complete this form and return it to the person that is going to be in the back. But the question is, with that money, $38, like I always say, a dinner, If you, if you go to the restaurant now, after this service, what is going to happen? What do you think that is going to happen? You think that you are going to spend $10? No. But when you decided, you know what? I prefer to not eat this food, and I'm going to sponsor Pukita. That's her name. What, it, what this lady, like child, is going to receive is Support to combat malnutrition. Second, healthcare and immunizations. The third one, education and income generating skills like me. I have a bachelor's degree. Listen, thanks to Compassion International. The love of a local church. Every, every week, just going to the church going to the church because compassion works through the local church. A relationship with you through the letters. If, if one day you want to go and visit your sponsor, you can do that too. And the third one, the love and support of church staff. So here you have a op the option to sponsor a child and change the life not just of a child, the life of an entire generation. Amen? So God bless you so much, and thank you, Pastor, for having me here, for allowing me to share my story to the church here. Amen? Blessings. That's such a powerful story, isn't it? I love that. Listen, I got to be a part of... of Seeing what Compassion does a year ago, I flew down to the Dominican Republic with Scott, and I don't know, it, we were loud. There's probably like 200 pastors, <laughs> like 20 pastors. And just to see, you know, I've heard of Compassion. I'd heard of, what, of who they were. And I, to be honest, I think what I thought happened was, like, you send $38 and then they get a T-shirt and some food or something like that. I really didn't know. Um, even hearing Gerald talk about that, it's amazing what Compassion does 
with $38 a month to impact children. So now listen, when I go on a mission trip, if I don't know anybody, I'm going to find the kids, right? So I found kids right away. I think we had a couple pictures. I'm going to make funny faces with kids all the time. I've got pictures in my house of me all over the world making faces with kids and then trying to make them back. It's fantastic. Um, and I love that. I love seeing the kids. But, but what really impacted my life in the Dominican Republic was what Gerald just mentioned, is how much compassion doesn't mention compassion. They don't mention who they are. They, they pour into the local church. They, they support the local pastors and the church and the pastors. They're the heroes. Jesus is the hero, but you know what I'm saying. They're the heroes in that village. And so compassion, they serve the villages through the local church. They literally work themselves out of a job. That blew me away too. Like compassion is not like, hey, y'all just keep sending us money. They try to get that village out of extreme poverty, and then they leave and go somewhere else and serve. But, but the one day that got me more than any day um, my roommate was Michael, and now look, if you don't know Richard Kimmer, this is going to make sense, but Richard, we, we hang out all the, all the time together, and we play racquetball together, and I beat him all the time. It's fantastic. Um, but this is Michael, who was my roommate in the Dominican, Dominican Republic, and the whole week I'm like, I'm rooming with Richard Kimmer. Like, they look exactly the same. They act exactly the same. And then when, when Michael said to me, look, on this day when Compassion is going to bring the two children that my family sponsors to meet us, I want you just to take pictures of that day. And so I spent the afternoon sweating because it's super hot and crying because I'm watching them, like, meet each other for the first time, FaceTime his family back home. And they're introducing, he's introducing the children that, whose lives they're impacting. They're in the pool playing. I kept thinking, like, this is Richard Kimmer. Like, Richard Kimmer would be in the pool playing ball right now with his kids. And I watched that the whole day. And here's what I thought. Man, I want to have it. I want to have that. I want, not for me, but for a child. I want a child to experience what those children experienced that day. And I left that day saying, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what we have to do, who we have to sell. We'll sell my, my kids. Whatever we have to do, right? But we're going to have some compassion kids that my family can pour into. And, and then as we put this whole morning together, and Scott was sending me resources and saying, hey, here's a, here's a video you can play or here's something you can say. I watched this last video that we're going to watch today, and it just, it just stirred the fire even more for me. Like, I refuse to have children in other parts of the world waiting for somebody to say yes. As far as it is for me and for my house, we're going to say yes, right? And I think when you watch this video, you'll feel the same way. Saya Helena Estibora, umur saya 8 tahun. Saya tinggal di lima saudara dan dua orang tua. Mama, saya tidak bisa menentukan juga tapi sebagai orang tua kami bersalah kami juga tidak mampu untuk melayani ya atas bersalah kepada Tuhan waktu itu tetapi saya lebih memilih ketika 
pendekatan oleh gereja untuk melayani anak-anak dan di situ saya lihat kemuliaan Tuhan bahwa lebih luar biasa kita melayani anak-anak daripada kita memikirkan hal-hal dunia Selesaikan kita ini walaupun bikin rumah begini itu beban banyak karena arisan ya kita tapi belum tutup sama sekali arisan ini Asti bilang, jangan stres mama. Saya lega pikiran saya bang cium sama anak. Asti bilang sama saya, saya cium sama dia saya bang. Saya tidak stres sekarang, saya aman aman sekarang. Saya di PPA paling suka buku cerita. Arena, arena rajin membaca. Berikan kepada mereka. Terlebih lagi Helena itu anaknya, kalau saya lihat selama saya mengajar anaknya pintar dan priang, ceria. Dan sering tidak bolos masuk PPA. Pertama, saya merasa bangga sekali, Pak. Karena proses perubahan, kita melihat dari penampilan mereka. Karena apa yang kami lakukan, bukan hanya dengan kata-kata, tapi perbuatan nyata. Baik, terima kasih fungsi papan data anak untuk mengetahui anak-anak yang terdaftar di PTA, berapa seluruhnya, berapa yang dapat sponsor, dan berapa yang belum punya sponsor. sponsor melalui tangan-tangan Tuhan untuk menjamah hati para yang punya yang bisa peduli kepada anak Tuhan akan memberikan yang terbaik buat keluarga ini ada sukacita asti keluarganya asti mendapat sponsor dan ini surat dari sponsor yang buat asli bangga sekali tapi Tuhan yang balas saya tidak mampu balas tapi Tuhan yang balas tidak pernah saya mimpi bahwa sponsornya aku hari ini ada 
Tapi saya bangga sekali sehingga saya jatuh air mata. Terima kasih banyak. Berlimpah Mereka, anak-anak itu merasa dekat dengan sponsornya dan jadi ketika mereka menceritakan isi surat seperti itu anak-anak merasa luar biasa bahwa itu tidak bisa dibayangin seperti itu mungkin pikirnya ya sekedar komunikasi saja tapi lebih daripada itu kedekatannya lebih dekat sekali dan saya berterima kasih kepada Tuhan yang bisa memberikan sponsor kepada anak sebagai anak dan bapak dan saya berterima kasih kepada Compassion sebagai jembatan yang dapat menghubungkan yang ada di seberang bisa menjadi satu itu kebanggaan saya dan saya merasa senang sekali two things I want you to know. One, um, we don't walk over hurting people to help people. It's really important for you to know. So there are some people who think you should only help people at home, and there are some people who think you should always go on mission trips, and it's never either or. It's always both and. And, and I've, I am so honored to pastor you. I'm so honored to lead a church that is so generous, and it is so committed to loving the city that we live in. And, and you know, we because of how you give, we give every month to the Esther House. We give every month to the community table. We give every month to Christian Ministries. We give every month to the Pregnancy Resource Center. Every month we're buying food to put in backpacks for East Albemarle Elementary School. We do so much in this city because of how you love people here. And we would never walk over those people to get to another country, right? But because you're faithful here, we are so excited to partner with Compassion. I mean, we're supposed to be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And to start this partnership, this global partnership with Compassion, means the world to us. When we got together as a team to talk about this day and what, what countries would we want to partner with, and we were like, well, Dominican Republic just seems like a no-brainer. And we've got, we have a missionary that we support in Peru And so we said, we want to do, we want to partner in Peru as well. And then Burkina Faso came up and it was like, huh, Burkina, what? It's this place in Africa, this country in Africa. And the more I heard about Burkina Faso, I told the team, we're going to have to do Burkina Faso because I'm going to have to have a, a Burkina Faso friend of BFF. So... I do. His name is Kareem. This is my new BFF, right? This is my Burkina Faso friend. And when we sponsored him, um, we, we, Wendy and I just felt like we got three kids. We're doing three countries. We need to sponsor. We have three kids of our own. We need to sponsor three kids, in each, one in each country. And so we're sponsoring Arlette in Peru. And so um, I, what I love about Compassion is if we go on a mission trip down to Peru, and Compassion will help us, if it's possible, to meet Arlette when we get there and just see how she's doing and just check in and see what, what God's doing in her life. 
And as soon as we get done this morning, and Scott's going to come in a minute and tell us how to do this, I'm going to go join you at the tables, and I'm going to pick out my, our third child from the Dominican Republic. So I wouldn't ask you to do something that we're not going to do. We're, we're all in on this. I'm all in as a family on this. We've rearranged our budget so that we can do what we're doing today. And I will just tell you this in, as boldly as I can do it. The question isn't, can you? The question is, will you? I know that you can because we're all in America. And while we might have American bills, we have American resources, y'all. The question is, are we willing to shuffle the things that we do? I'll just be bold enough to tell you that it might be time to cancel the subscription that you no longer use to do something better with that money, right? That's what we've done. And so, Scott, I'm going to ask you to come join me on the platform. We want to kind of talk through kind of how that works, and I'll give you the mic because he's so much smarter than I am anyway. Plus, he's a lot bigger, and I'm a little scared of him. So, um, if you'll just kind of talk us through like the practical, how to do it, and maybe even touch a little bit more on just those, the four ways that compassion impacts the lives of the children that we sponsor. Um, and listen, you guys that are at home, you're not left out of this at all, okay? At the end, we'll kind of share with you how you can be a part of this as well. Thank you. Um, and thank you, Gerald, uh, for sharing your story. A lot of people don't realize when you go through that kind of hardship, you think it's easy to talk about it, and it's not. Uh, but I will say this, it's therapeutic to talk about it. The more you talk about it, the less it hurts. So I appreciate him being so vulnerable for us today. But I, I have people a lot. Look, I could have, I could work anywhere. I really could. Maybe I couldn't be a, I couldn't be a, a neurosurgeon. But you get what I'm trying to say. Um, the thing that set me up on fire for compassion, I used to be a skeptic of this whole thing, the whole child sponsorship ministry thing. I've heard horror stories um, about them, and my son's the one that talked me into doing it, and that's a long story. I'll share that the next time we come. But I met my first compassion child when I went to Kenya, and everything changed. Everything changed. So when you're a skeptic about something, you look at it differently. And I was looking at it, and I was noticing everywhere I went that there were men that were hanging around instead of leaving. We That's another sermon, but... We men try to do all these responsibilities that God puts on us in our power, and that's why we're out. Men don't handle responsibility too well because you just don't realize the load that men carry. And I'm saying that right now to the ladies. I'm just, um, and I know that, and listen, what's happened is men are taking off, and guess who's carrying all that load? The ladies. So it's just a mess. And so that poverty cycle is what causes a lot of that because poverty is not just physical and this is why compassion works so well we don't believe you attack poverty by throwing money at it Um, poverty is more than just physical there's an emotional side to it where you think you're never going to get out of it Um, really really hard extreme poverty tends to be generational and so your parents were in it and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your aunt and uncle and it's just awful and so you don't think you're ever going to get out of it right so there's an emotional side to it and i don't know how many if a show of hand anybody here an educator or married to one or related to one yeah the educators will tell you that you can go here in stanley county or you can go into the inner city in kingsport tennessee where i was born 
one of five kids and we had different dads and my mom had a woman at the well store she wasn't a believer at that time and and we were so poverty stricken the poverty there the poverty here the poverty in Kenya and Nairobi where two of my kids live my compassion kids that kind of poverty tends to cause you to be behind the rest of the kids educationally as well and they'll tell you that the way it is so we believe there's an educational side to poverty and a, and a social side to that so when people point at poverty and they say these kids need these men these women they need to get a job okay are you going to hire them well I, 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 that's the problem that's the problem they do need a job who's going to help them bridge that gap between what they don't know and what they need to know does that make sense? And nobody cares about that. And so my sermon has always been about these stones. And it's so crazy that that's the name of your, your message. Um, I've told my wife that I think God gives us all stones. And we can do one of three things with them. We can throw them at each other, which we do well. Or we can build a wall around us or between us, which we also do really well. Or we can use them to build a bridge to the other side and try to help. So they can come here, we can go there. By the way, that's the key, is both sides meeting. Not just one, both sides meeting. And so compassion is going to help you do that. So we do believe that there is an emotional, a social educational side, a physical side. We think poverty starts physically. The minute you meet Jesus, everything changes. Now I told you our situation. My mom became a Christian when she was 50. She lived 23 more years. She's been uh, in heaven for about five years now. The last 23 years of her life, you would not even know she was the same person because that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. And that's why we believe you start with him. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, although you can prosper from that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're going to be wealthy. I'm just saying that things change in your life and the way you look at things and the hope you have when you meet Jesus. And that's why what compassion does works because we attack poverty holistically, the whole person, the whole person, right? And then, you know, they come into the program, usually up from the ages of one to around eight. If you have a packet today, I had someone ask me this in first worship. They sponsored a, a boy that was 12 years old. If you have a packet of a, of a boy that's 12, nowadays we don't take new children into the program at the age of 12. It's usually around, up to around 8 or 9. That means that child probably has lost their sponsor. And so you're going to, during COVID, that's become a big issue for obvious reasons. So you can help that child really be rescued a second time, which would be incredible. But you only sponsor them until they finish high school. And then they come out of the program. We release them. Um, as Gerald mentioned, the $38 a month, you can look on the back of the top part, and it'll tell you what that covers for every child, for every child. But if your specific compassion child has some other needs, some special needs, uh, maybe they're born with, um, you know, um, a I've noticed where kids could be born with some issues with their legs. We'll do the surgery to fix that. That's covered in that. Um, uh, if a child is burned up in a, in a home, most of these families live in a little 10 by 10 shack and a kitchen is an open flame in the middle of that. And so it's, it's common for them to, to be hurt with, with fire. Uh, but maybe they have scars on their face. Compassion helps cover to have that work fixed on their face. And that, 
it's part of that $38 a month too. So that's, that's what we get to do. But that, at the, when they finish high school, they're released into the world, and that's exactly what they're doing is changing it, which I love. So you're not just throwing the money away. It's the best $38 a month that I've ever seen, that I've ever spent. And so my wife and I made a commitment when we came to Compassion that every year we're at Compassion, we're adding another child. And I'm just starting my seventh year. We're sponsoring six kids. She's decided it's her turn to select. She's decided we're going to sponsor a kid from Guatemala. So the next time one of my churches sponsors a kid in Guatemala, which is December the 6th, I've got a church we're going to add our seventh child and what I'm telling you is this you can give up a few things I'm addicted to diet Mountain Dew I wish I wasn't there I said it I feel like that's the first step for me no um do you have y'all priced what a 20 ounce diet Mountain Dew costs nowadays like I can I can drink a half of one of those a day and pay for this what I'm telling you is you can give up some things you can I'm telling you you won't have to give up anything Test me on that. You know why I can say that? Because God said test him on that. Now, I, I play a lot of softball still. I'm an idiot. I'm at my age. I shouldn't be playing softball. A, a good bat costs you somewhere around $300 to $400. I can't find the money for that. But add another child and the money appears in our budget. Don't believe me. Ask the accountant. Because she's like, okay. God said to do it. We'll do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. But God raises the money up all the time. So that's what we're asking you to do today. We're asking you to do what God's already told you to do. I love what you said in first worship. Nothing to pray about because God's not going to tell you, no, I really don't want you to rescue a child from poverty and introduce them to my son Jesus. I don't want you to do that. I mean, there's nothing to pray about. That sounds too bold. I don't mean it to be that way. I'm just saying we can get churchy and pray about things and end up doing nothing. Did you notice in the video, to me, what separates a Christ follower from a churchgoer? A churchgoer talks about it. A Christ follower lives it. This is your chance to live it. This is your chance to prove to a child that you care about more than just you. Man, it's hard for me to do. It just is. It just is. So here's what we do. The, the packets are at the tables. Our goal is to rescue 50 kids from poverty today, at least. You're going to knock that out because first worship just killed it. So I know a lot of pastors will, will pit worships against worships. I don't want to do that, but surely you can beat first. No, I'm just, um, <laughs> and if you're watching online, you can participate as well. I'm going to tell you how you can do that. But the, just like Gerald said, it's one piece in three sections. All we need you to do, tear off the bottom section, complete the front and the back, and turn it into the table. Simple as that. If you're watching online, we're, I love this. And you might even want to do this here. Um, if, if the COVID thing's got you a little bit, I totally understand that. You can text a sponsor. All you do is you text the word gathering. You text the word gathering to 83393. And you'll get a link. Uh, Mr. Cecil, in that, didn't you guys do it that way? Yeah, they did text a sponsor. And I think he said he's sponsoring three kids. So thank you. And Miss Debbie with 1B. And um, <laughs> so the, it, you'll get a link to a child from Burkina Faso a child from Peru, or a child from the DR. It was one of the three. I'm not saying you'll get a link to, to three kids, but you can do that three times, and you will get three kids, because I had someone ask me that as well. So, you want to sponsor more than one child? Great. We've got several that's already done that today. If you want to do one, that's okay too, but it's going to take everybody doing something. Okay? I'll be here. If you have any questions, 
right? And I, remember, I was a skeptic. So if you're skeptical about it and you've got some real questions, I love them. Bring, bring them right here because you won't ask a question that I didn't ask. But I would like to pray for us. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Let's move around just a little. You guys have been incredible. We're trying to tell the story because we're so excited about it, right? Um, but here's what I'm going to leave you with this. When's the last time, if you were honest, that you experienced God in a real way in a comfort zone? And for me, <laughs> Paul said, never. That's what it is for me. And see, that's why I, wanted you to, I want you to hear this. And this is my last thing. If you've been walking with God for a while and you've kind of gotten bored with it because I've been there, I've done that, it's not God. God's not the reason that the walk's gotten boring. It's because we've quit doing what he's asked us to do. We've stayed in these comfort zones and we're so addicted to convenience in America. Like we literally, we were just talking about this and somebody, you mentioned this thing about TVs. We have a TV in every room now. Like and as long as that remote is somewhere to be found, all will be well in the world, right? Isn't that crazy how convenient we've gotten? So let God get you out of a comfort zone and do something that you don't think you can do. And that's how we'll change this world, okay? Let me pray for us. And when I finish praying, we're going to be released to change the world, right? Let's do it. God, we love you. We do. We're standing in your home, your house today, and we've experienced you. Whether we're online watching, I pray. I've done a whole bunch of watching worships online since COVID has hit. And one thing it's taught me, this whole pandemic, is just how much we need to be connected. And how easy it is to let the enemy disconnect us. And when we're disconnected, when we're separated from the pack, so to speak, then that enemy is just, you know, roaming around like a lion. And he's looking for the ones that are out all alone trying to do life by themselves, falling into a depression and an addiction, and they're devoured. And I pray that today we'll take that step towards you by being obedient and rescuing a child. Thank you for teaching me, and I pray that all of us realize that the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is enough. And you've given us more than enough so that we can help those in need. So we're going to do it today, and we're going to do it because we want to honor you and we're going to do it because we were rescued ourselves, And now we want to be a rescuer. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll meet you at the tables. Let's do this.